Oh, I'm live. Okay. Yep, that makes sense. <laughs> How's everybody going? Where's my hat? How's everybody going? Welcome back to another edition of Alternative Black's podcast Instagram live series. Chris just jumped in, so I don't have to flail around and figure out what I'm trying to say for too long because, God, it's been an interesting, interesting day. So we're going to try to get this just off to a good start. Hey! Hey! Where's where's my hat, you might ask? In the car, where I always leave it. <laughs> oh, you gotta love it. Oh, man. How, how you doing today? I'm okay. I was in the office today, so I'm, like, super drained. Pretty I'll, much. I'll stop. I got you texted. I will respond. I swear to God, I will respond. Don't be a me. <laughs> Look, I right, so... I decided to report a beer review today, two o'clock before this. And of course, you know, I don't pick up a regular beer. It was a 14%. <laughs> Man, you, you really know how to ease into things. Oh, you know it. I, I, I do it just beautifully every time. Oh, okay. <laughs> what are you drinking today? All right. Well, my my knock knock them down, drag them out beer isn't quite cold enough yet. Plus, it's you know I'd like to kind of ease into things, unlike you. So I started with uh, a Pilsner, Evergreen Canyon Pilsner. I love Evergreen. It is a four point eight American four point eight ABV American style Pilsner. Well, I'm going to tell you, I am drinking a 4.7 tonight. After the 14%? Let's not talk about that. Now, that was anyway, this beer is pretty damn refreshing. It's also not super cold just yet, but it is delicious. Classic Pilsner. Uh, nothing remarkable, just a really solid beer. Interesting. And evergreen, evergreen's always a good choice. So, I have 4.7. You son of a bitch. Oh, did you, did you see what, what I am drinking? It's beautiful, isn't it? It, it sure is. No, I drove over to, uh, it's called Stones, the, uh, Distributor of beer. Yes, quite. Quite. I went to pick up the locals. Um, I was going to get the prolific. I had it on the And I'm going through just to see what they have. And I had one, well, of course. four pack left of this black. Uh, it's a Philly uh, brewery, apparently. Uh, apparently. Brewery Tech. Tech? Tech? P-E-C-H-N-E. Techni? Like Technicolor? I mean, you know, like te Technicolor? I was walking down the street to the distributor and I see this brewery logo. I'm just like, I've never heard of that brewery before. Peter Black is beautiful. Pick it up. And no one moving by. And now I'm realizing, oh, it's that brewery. Because what is my life? 
because they never just put it on the corner of the label right where their uh, label is, right where their logo is. Yeah, that's not how any of the other ones are set up, so why would you see that? Well, I saw one left and I thought I had to have it. Oh, of course, of course. Because I've had that experience, too, at Mary's, where I walk in, I'm just kind of looking around, and, oh, here's a random four-pack of Black is Beautiful. I guess that I made my decision, or my decision was made for me, because, of course, I'm not going to pass up on that. Exactly. That, that's basically how that worked out. Well, yeah. Um, is it a special, is it like a true Imperial Stout, or did they play with it a little bit? No, so it's a special stout. It's 4.7%, so it's not as high as it has been. It really doesn't tell you anything other than that. But looking at it, it's, it's not as not as high. It's literally less than half of the original ABV. Right. Which let's talk a se talk for a second about how I appreciate the fact that the standard recipe for this was a ten percenter. As it should be. I see the references they're trying to make. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there something about ten percenters and five percenters and something like that? I don't know. I don't read. Like, Something like that, the trickle down, trickle down economic thing that clearly works. because yeah, it's clearly worked. Yeah, you, you buy into the system that is already in place, designed for you to be a part of beforehand, so you have to talk better, drink better, blah 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 blah. blah. Exactly. Oh, the boy! I even tried this. Yeah, please let me know how that is. Sweet. That, that smell of sweetness just hit right away. Ah. Speaking of sweet, you know what's back? The sweet potato beer from Bolt. I saw that. And I, was, I almost went broke. I'm broke already. I almost went super broke when I was at this distributor because I kept going down the aisle. I was like, oh, fuck, fuck. I kept finding sweetness that I wanted. It reminds me the, uh, you know, unless it gets completely destroyed on the way, my, uh, Barrel and Flow pack is on its way out. Same. Also, you must not have liked that beer. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Is it, like, sickening sweet? I don't know. It's sweet. It's light, uh, especially for it being a stout. Um, I guess because of how low the ABV is. I'm used to those imperial stouts, and so it's a lighter body of flavor. Um, so suffice it to say, you were looking for some... Uh, some locally crafted, locally roasted coffee, and instead you got, like, diner coffee. Bottom of the pot. Look, cardboard that real watery has stuff. Cardboard has more flavor. That's, so it's like takeout coffee from anywhere. Just tastes like cardboard. Uh, no, this one's a little rough. Not gonna lie about that. Um, not my favorite. So what is this technique brewing, brewing, brewing then? Because, uh, I mean, the thing is, this is a recipe, man. Like, you could have you could have just, you could have just followed the recipe just fine, didn't do anything else to it, and you would have came out with a far better product. So what are we doing here? That's very true, especially if you're an actual brewery. Because I was going to say, we're looking to do homebrew. Like, I think I'm looking to purchase the tomorrow. Have you purchased it yet? 
No, not yet. I was waiting. I was waiting. I was waiting for you to pull the trigger, so and then we could pull the trigger at the same time. All right. Well, trigger pull tomorrow. Um, I have to look. We were doing a we were doing a brewery tour at Dock Street, and mm. the the guy that was doing the brewery tour, Taylor, he recommended a couple things for starting off home brewing. So I want to look at that. And okay. Actually pulling the trigger, but I still feel like we're just going to end up going with what we've decided on. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, everyone's going to get a chance to follow us on that journey that's looking like what's potentially going to be season four of the podcast. So we're in season two. We have an episode dropping about pirates. Are you ready? Aye, aye, Captain. I can't hear you. Aye, aye, Captain. I'm done doing this. Right. Um, Losing a pineapple IPA. I don't know. Ooh, that's interesting. I like that. <laughs> yeah, we could have a SpongeBob pineapple IPA. There, Really quickly, I guess, because I, I saw uh, the post that you had sent me earlier, I think it was earlier today, the tennis, the screenshot of the tennis uh, U.S. Open uh, payouts. Yes. And just kind of like a discussion on, a discussion on, one, like the levels of money that people can earn, but then also the expenses that come along with a particular lifestyle or a particular job or, you know, just industry or field. I think that's an interesting discussion to talk about. Uh, we can center it obviously around the U S open because that was, that's the uh, soup du jour, if you will. But I think it's an interesting topic to talk about, um, especially for yourself, even uh, to have this perspective because you do have you do own your own business and you do work for yourself in in some capacity and you have worked for yourself more so than maybe other people have in the past and everyone sees well if you're making this much money you know you're charging this much i'm making all this money but there's all of you know when you are your own boss you also have to pay for everything as well i just kind of want to open that open that discussion just to kind of get get the wheels turning yeah, and it's so, like, like everything we talk about, it's so nuanced, right? And I think that's the big point of this. So when you're looking at the prize money for the U.S. Open this year, uh, for singles, round of 128, um, you make $75,000. Round of 64 becomes 115. Round of 32 is 180. Round of 16 is 265,000. Quarter final is the uh, all the way up to the winner making two million five hundred thousand dollars, and that's a lot. Like that's more money than I can even fathom. Like I am currently like looking to make a round of sixty-four money. Like I really want to make a hundred thousand dollars. That would be comfortable for me, right? Um, That'd be comfortable for a lot of people, right? And I think for the lifestyle, or would it? That's true. The lifestyle that I kind of wanted to live lives more up in that one range. Um, 
Probably everyone's does, at least base level. Right, because, like, beyond that, I don't need too much more. Um, I probably don't even need that much, uh, if I'm being completely honest about it. Um, but that would be not have to worry One day. About, you know, that's not having to worry about shit, right? For me, at least. Um, but when, when I'm looking at the business side of things, for these tennis players, especially, uh, I think these players are spending close to $150,000 at the $2 million a year on just regular whether that's coaching, whether that's um, travel, travel stays um, because not all of them are comped like the top players or just open tournaments in general, like and like all the majors. And that's the other thing, too, I wanted to kind of hit on is, you know, it's being highlighted because U.S. Open's coming up, but the U.S. Open is a major. It is one of the four largest and most prestigious tournaments in the world. And this is what top-tier money looks like for that. But to get to that point, you're talking about, once again, it's it's the same thing as, like, it's a top 1% of tennis players that are actually going to see this huge payout that we're talking about here. It's the same thing with, like, all the wealth in America is owned by 1% of the population. Well, when you're talking about, when you're talking about a skill-based game where you're just trying to make it and, oh, $2 million is the payout at the end. Okay. Well, it's not like one, one person is like the greatest ever or arguably the greatest few players ever have, haven't won it every single year. So imagine, like, people who aren't there or even, like, the mid-tier players. It's like the, the average player who is on tour just trying to make it, like, 100 to 200, trying to push up. They're not making this money at the tournaments they're usually at, but they're still traveling. Put this into perspective. Like, Djokovic last year, I think, made $6 million in tournament money. And that was only after maybe, like, one major, yeah, he won Wimbledon. Did he win Wimbledon? Right. But like that, that's like $6 million that he made. Um, sorry, let me do something because people don't know. What's the, all right. Um, hey, Raj. What up? But he made like $6 million. That's like one of the top players. So you're playing, uh, you're paying for people to sit in your box, you're paying for your coaches, you're paying for your trainers, you're paying for all this other stuff. Djokovic is making dollars. That's for like one hundred percent like certain like on top of that's his prize money that he's won. You also have sponsorships and different deals that you have, which I'm sure also correlates to how well you do in a in a tournament. But you have all these other players who are fighting just to get into these tournaments, these qualifier players, to win the first round, that's more prize money than they could have won in the last three years. Exactly. Oh, I, I, I commented on the post, like, man, some people aren't really making money until, like, the round of uh, 32. And somebody was just like, oh, yeah, like, 265 isn't really much. I was like, you're really not, like, putting this into perspective. And I was like, it's one tournament. I'm just like, yeah, and that's if they make it that far. You think of right. Arena, you can have a great. It's like, but but all these other players aren't making it that far. And so, for instance, no. the U.S. Open, 
You're seeing Nadal's not going to be in it. You're seeing Federer's not in it. You're seeing Kareem's not And you know what that means? There's players that are going to make money. Yeah, there, there's four. There's yeah, there's four more players that can come up. And once again, if you just qualify for the tournament, that's more payout than a lot of these guys and gals are making on the circuit throughout the year. And they pay for they pay for the same amount of travel as anyone else. They're paying for the lodging. Like, imagine what it what would it look like if you if you went on uh if you had to go to a flight across the world, you know, once every week and a half or so to two weeks throughout the year and pay for that yourself, you know, how much money is, is that going to cost you? And these lower level players are paying for these plane tickets. They don't, they don't have the sponsorship to pay for them. So they're, they're pay they're playing and trying to win just to pay to continue to play. And that it's it's a really cutthroat thing. Uh, these you know the the visible players that we see all the time and we talk about them that are so great. It's weird because they're at a point where they can just they have everything paid for by sponsorship, pretty much, or they're put up by the tournament themselves because them just being present at the tournament just brings in so much revenue to the tournament. So they're just like, well, we're just going to put you guys up for free, or we're going to pay for your travel there. Or whatever the case may be, so it, it's it's one of those weird things. It's like yes, that list is crazy in terms of in a vacuum. That's a lot of money to win if you just played two tennis matches, three tennis matches at an open. But for these lower level players, they have to play a whole circuit of tournaments just to even attempt to qualify, and then they have to win or place well enough in the qualifying tournament to get into the tournament itself. And that is no small feat in itself. And so, you know, once again, it all comes back to, you know, a lot of, a lot of things about, you know, be your own boss and control your own destiny, things of that nature. And that's, that's a fantastic thing to work for, but the perspective has to be there too, where you have to understand you're going to be fronting a lot of this money and you need to factor that into the equation for yourself when you're determining how much, you know, you can you need to charge people. What's a what's a fair rate for yourself in valuing yourself? Because you're going to be spending a lot of money on whether it's materials, travel, this, this, that, and the third that you're not going to be able to recoup if you're not valuing yourself properly. Right, and, I, and, and that goes back then to another point I had was you got to spend the money to make the money. So it's like. Yeah, it costs you two million dollars uh, a year to be the best tennis player in the world, and you're gonna make six million dollars on top of that. So you can get four million just by being the best tennis player, and then start adding up all the stuff that that comes with it. Uh, so that that's a whole different conversation. I think that's where the business side things come from again, where it's just like you, you know there are these overhead expenses um, that with video production and hopefully I've been building up over years and where I have all the same that I can roll out with and I have that initial, initial cost. So that, that expenditure is a little lower uh, but I realistically being a little more proactive with that money and spending on uh, appropriate places so that the business is getting out there a little more and uh, I can 
adjust with some of my uh, equipment that needs to uh, be kept up to date. So that's what's always happening in these industries, um, which does come back to beer. It all comes back to beer, right? It always comes back to beer. How how we how we bringing this back to beer? Uh, I, I think trying to open up your own brewery. Yeah, I, but I think exactly talking about these barriers and entry, what does it cost to actually keep things sustainable on a float in order to uh, move ahead? Because I was just actually thinking about um, this concept on going into craft brewery. Um, how do you keep the beer price lower? You know, you're seeing prices that are anywhere from four bucks to fourteen bucks for a glass, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, like this bad boy here. The higher the cost of your beer, uh, it might reflect how much it actually costs to brew it, or it just might reflect how popular popular you are. And, and but that higher price allows you to spend more money, or that lower price means you can't give out free samples. <laughs> The way that you right. so you can price your beer high, and you can give out more beer for free and let people try it out. But now you're very country for those that don't know you or beer. It's off-putting. It's like, well, why am I going to pay this much when I can just go over here and get so much less? So I, I think it's always a conversation about what's going on and how's that money spent and. Uh, at the end of the day, because you have this amazing product, but nobody wants to try it because it's expensive. But you're giving away free free beer for everybody to try. So maybe you do pull some people in, or it's like keep it so low. But because it's so low, your your profit is so thin, and you can't pretty even drop a glass. It's good considerations, and I know uh, I think is if Rob is still in. Raj is still in here. If he has any uh, perspective to that, actually, you know, working brewing beer in industry, um, if he has some thoughts on that, uh, we'd be welcome to hear hear it. Especially as we're trying to embark on our own journey here. So, uh, attempting, attempting to anyway. Yeah, so, Raj, you're here. You can always request to jump in because why not? We always do that. Um, uh, I did pick up my second beer, though, by the way, and uh, I want to just quickly give this a go. It is an Avery Barrel Age series here. This guy was bottled, is this February 12th, 2011? No, it's just February 12th of 2016, though. This is a barrel-aged... 50% barrel aged in tequila barrels, 50% aged in Cabernet Sauvignon barrels. Quite. So this, and some, and somehow yet this thing is sitting at a 5.4% ABV. So oddly very light. Um, Kind of on the sour side, when it's a it's a it's an it's a sour ale, barrel aged, uh, but it's not like too overpowering with the sour. It's called Lunctus Wiribus, and once again, it's half tequila barrels, half 
Cabernet Sauvignon barrels. How is it? I just... Oh, it's good. Once again, it's like... You do get, like, that small hint of the tequila barrel in there. And, of course, the kind of the dryness from from the wine barrel. Uh, it almost tastes like a red wine, like a carbonated red wine that someone left near some tequila. <laughs> like, it really tastes like the sum of its parts, but it doesn't really, like... I mean, it's just, if, if, if you didn't tell me what, what it was and I was just drinking it, I'm like, oh, it's another sour that isn't too overpowering. Huh. So it's kind of in that lane. I think if this were room temperature and you just drank it room temperature, it would probably really resemble the wine, the red wine. But uh, it's not bad. Not bad at all, but uh, it didn't really uh, didn't really blow my mind. As much as I was hoping it would. I feel that. Alright, so I'm going to jump into some of the story, uh, questions from the story, and here's the, the first one. Alright, no, this one's so hard, because uh, I just need my beer resume. You can't hear me? Can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Small amount. Oh, wait. Hold up. Hello? I disconnected my headphones. I want to see if that's the issue. Can you hear me now? Hold up. Hey. Technical difficulties. Nope. What? Now we're good. Okay. My headphones, my headphones had a had a weird Bluetooth moment there. That's what it was. Technical difficulties sign. What I was going to say is now I try to get my charger back in. <laughs> Sorry. This is a hard one for me because uh, I don't know if you saw. No, I sent it to you. My beer, my beer resume. Yes. So, so just under fifty percent of all of the beers I've had have been IPA. Yes. So that's about six hundred something IPAs. Question: Is that just? I'm trying to remember back now. Is that stat just straight IPA, no double, no triple, just IPA, no, or no, does no, it count is. all? So. All IPAs. The reason why I adjusted it, though, was because I was originally very specific, and then my list of favorite styles was IPA, New England IPA, double IPA. <laughs> so you just put it all together. It's just IPA, general style, because it could be American, it could be New England, it could be West Coast, it could be Left Coast. And I just like, guys, I do just Sometimes. Uh, yeah, sometimes. 
all I've consumed today have been spells. Good for you. Welcome to the big boys club. <laughs> so then, so I, I, I think even for anyone who's sampled the craft beer scene over the past better part of a decade would probably have a relatively hard time choosing an IPA unless there was just one like really nostalgic favorite in that group. And for myself, even, I really don't know that I could just point to one IPA. I mean, man, if I had to choose one, I, honestly, this would be one of those where we go on Untapped, see what we five-starred, and then from there decide, like, yep. what did... Uh, you have to go through or figure out what, what you have. I kind of feel like it might, it's either going to be a pizza boy IPA of some sort, or it might just be like pseudo Sue. You know what? I, I would say. I would say just like for for both of us, like if you had to, if you, if you walked into a place and it was nothing new, nothing experimental, what would you find most joy to see on a menu on like a on a draft list? That's you know what I mean? Gonna, and they're probably these three are going to be uh, all double IP that I reference. Um, okay. But if I saw double eraser hood. I always go crazy over Ooh, that. Double Racer Hood's good. So that's yes. That's here in Philadelphia. It's incredible. I think it's coming out soon. I'm so excited. Uh, it'll be only the second time, I think. Uh, so I'm really excited for that. Uh, another double IPA that I love is Discontinued. So if I saw it, I'd probably go broke. I'd probably open up a, a different credit card and max that credit card out just to get as many as I could. Um, yeah. Chill Wave? Oh, I do love Chill uh, No, this is uh, All Along the Hot Tower. Ooh, All Along the Hot Tower. That's a good one, yes. All time favorites. Don't understand why it was continued. I'm really well, it's because they need, to pump it, they need to pump out more Sweet Baby Jesus. So they, so they discontinued all along the hot tower so they can get more Sweet Baby Jesus out there. So this is what we do. We start a petition or we just beg to have the recipe and <laughs> use it as hard Knowing them, they didn't keep the recipe so, or some, something ridiculous like that. We'll Google it. Um, and then the last one's just an old faithful. It's, um, man, I love Dirt Wolf. I was going to say, you're probably going to say Dirt Wolf. Now, how about Double Dry Hop Dirt Wolf? I think I might like Dirt Wolf better. Such a normie. <laughs> I, here, here's, here's the reason. I don't think I've had, I've had Double Dry Hop Dirt Wolf once. And while it was great, I just can't really bring out a lot of the flavors again in my head. And I know Dirt Wolf so well. 
And so I would this is, that's fair. That's fair. Um, you know an IPA that I could say is that it's either Icicle or Whiteout from uh, New Trail, and I'm always blanking on the name because there's two that are similarly, like, snow wintery theme mm-hmm. and i always mix them up but that ipa i think it might be white out blew my mind when i when i tried it and pretty much everything new trail has ever put out has been amazing so a new trail ipa to me is like wait like right on it um yeah i <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say, hey man, like the normie pick of uh, Two Hearted, but Two Hearted is technically a pale ale, not an IPA. It's an American pale ale, so I guess that doesn't count. Although I did see, I I saw double. Uh, they have a double of it now. Double Two Hearted. Really? Mm-hmm. I almost bought it, but I just didn't bother. I saw it today. So, double, double two-hearted is out there. Alright, so, moving through some of the questions, this is the, uh, uh are you ready, Chris? I don't know, is it going to be a trolley question? This one might have me going a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Tyler. <laughs> I'll just put myself on mute here and enjoy my beer. What's the beer scene like in Nantucket? Uh, it's Monopoly. Uh, no, it's Monopoly only in the sense that there's only one brewery on island. There's only one brewery so I to try a place out. There's one destination and they have the one location, I believe. So it's not even like so for this whole island of people um, which I guess I forget how how many people end up being one island at one point. It can get pretty insane, especially since around the island. But um it's not a lot so if they have an event like, like why am I fucking here? Right, uh, and they make decent beer, you know. Like, and only a handful of people brewed on island. They get brewed off island. flagship stuff, because um, I think they got bought by somebody. But they still had a, they made a deal so certain beers can be on island and blah 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 blah. Oh, are they under Anheuser Busch now too? I think so. Or is it Boston Beer Company? Funny. Which would which would be better yeah. than Anheuser Busch, yeah. but um, so I mean, there's now the fact is in the England area, so you happen to uh, stumble upon some really incredible beer uh, that is sold at different places. Sometimes you get really well priced uh, set of cans. Sometimes you don't. I bought a pack for thirteen bucks, and then I bought a four pack for twenty six dollars. Twenty-six dollars. What was in it? I forget. I forget what one it was. I think that's one I didn't like. Um, 
twenty six dollars for a four pack is insane. Depending on which, which one I mean, yeah, depending on what it is, that's that's insane. I wouldn't just casually walk into a place, just kind of, ah, I don't know what I'm looking for, and then walk out with a four-pack for $26. Right. Now, almost everything that's on this island is import. See, when you said, oh, there's only one brewery on the island, I was kind of like, well, you know, you might go to a, a city or a town and there might be three breweries within two two square blocks of each other. And then I'm like, okay, well, where are they getting all their resources from? All this other stuff. It's like, it's all imported anyway, so it's it's going to be a challenge. Right. Um, and, and that's the thing. I, I don't know what their, like, list of, like, looks like, laws look like. I don't know what it looks like in that regard. Um, so it's, just, it's really it's an interesting dynamic. But the other point I wanted to get up with that was the um, we 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 talk about. Uh, oh, can you hear me? No, no, I'm good. I'm listening. I'm perked. I'm perked up. Okay. All right. Perfect. Well, we talk about the after weekly craft beer right? Uh, that range that is like what seventy five thousand. Seventy five thousand. Remember, I was talking about, oh, 115 sounds great. Um, but when you're looking at the island of Nantucket, I think the ice has text on the average income per house, I guess, which was 146000 Yeah, I'm going to shit my pants now. But the like median cost of a home on that island is like $1 million, right? Then, like, your average yeah. there would be 1700 right? Um, so you're looking at the other side of the price range when it comes to craft beer. We often talk about the top down being price trying to get into Now we're talking about the, the structure that lives on the other side or the top side of all of this. And so there's questions that come into my head about, like, is the general population of Nantucket really looking for craft beer? Like, yeah, I, it's an interesting question because I guess we can't just profile them and say that no, they would rather think they rather drink wine or ridiculously expensive whiskey or whatever. Which there was like a five hundred dollar <laughs> bottle of beers on that island. That I But at the same time, once again, when you live in that upper crusty type of thing, status becomes a really big part of the picture and showing status. And a lot of times, throughout history anyway, in, in waspy environments, I'll say, Beer was something of something for the low for the lower barbarians. You know what I mean. Beer was not something to be had by the royals. Royals in the upper crust they drank wine. You know, it, it was that type of thing. So, I could definitely see those like subconscious traditional ideals kind of carry down, especially Nantucket, because it's not just like this is a bunch. Of, 
this is just a random place that happens to have a bunch of rich people. And it's not like it's a suburb of a city that kind of developed out of the city later on, maybe even during like white flight times. No, this is old money on oh Nantucket. God, that they will take back to Fort Island. He met a guy who lived in the Island area on the very back. He goes, you see that last boat on the end of that dock over there? Like, yeah. He goes, Kennedy. Like, that's where we're at. I forgot about this. this is where yeah, we're this, at. this is where we're at. So, like, in that sense, that's why I think, okay, this isn't just rich people. This isn't just about income. It's about old status. Traditional old money. And there, there's traditional ideals that come along with that. And craft beer just really doesn't seem like one of those things. And it's so interesting that you even like that word. Which brings up because the, the brewery that has on island isn't just a brewery. They are kind of distillery as well. Do you think they would do... Question to you: Do you really do you think they would be able to sustain themselves if they were just a brewery? Say, say the other there was a second company that just did wine and distilling, and they were their own independent brewery. Do you think even if their product was amazing, do you think they could last there? I, I think the answer is no, and I think that's why you saw them sell part of that uh, that part of their business off. I don't think the winery and the distillery are bought off by So you see the yeah. the section to the main land to be sold off in that capacity, which I uh, Cisco, which is the crew we were talking about, far west as LA. So I, that, that brewery is not getting around in terms of distribution. Um, and I think a lot of the testing that bought by uh, different companies no longer mainly brewed on the island and they can focus on the other elements. The beer is there for health, but the bread and butter I have to assume is the wine. Well, yeah, if you're, yeah, you're right. If you're going off of that model, um, and especially because, like, I don't know what the... Uh, I don't know what the crops there look like or the crops nearby, but I you'd have to imagine that it's it's not as though it's easier to get, say, the grapes or the the potatoes or botanicals that they'll use in their distill in their distilling or the grapes they'll use for your wine. It's not like those things are so much easier to get right there locally than beer materials to the point where they want to outsource the brewing somewhere else and keep the distilling and the winemaking there. Right. You know what I mean? That would be the only other consideration I could think of, and it doesn't seem like that would be a thing. Yeah. It's one of those, like, get more and more interested in the, uh, the more often, I guess, I'm going with it. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. Maybe one day I'll be able to sit down with, uh, the owners there and have some conversation but who knows yeah all right next one. I'm, I'm done i'm done with that one i didn't even get to finish my beer yet keep 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 talking now all right this is a perfect one is august 25th too late to think of going on a summer vacation no 
No, especially if it's to a beach because the water's going to be nice and warm in September. You are good. It's amazing time. People I think people for Yeah, go ahead. No, you're right. People forget that's a great time. I was going to say, people forget that summer doesn't technically end to like, the end of September, damn near. So, like, September is technically a summer month. If you think, because what is it, like, January? It's, it's like se- September 20th, I think, 18th or 20th, where it turns into fall. It's somewhere, like, very late in September where f- fall actually begins. The rest of that time, it's basically late August. With with shorter days, so hey, yeah, I'm going on a late summer vacay. That was planned. It was planned prior to August 25th. But you could you can make more impromptu, you know, vacation i uh, vacation plans. You know, Later right now, yeah. yeah, I'm all for the uh, the late August. Vacation plans. People are going back to school. College people are going back to school. Parents are yeah. taking their kids places. That means it's prime time for like late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, just go. Don't be bothered by kids. Have your. Don't be bothered by the annoying families that are there that are just swarming everything. You can just go and be relaxed. Wherever you want to be. And that's the best time, like, if you're going somewhere new, especially, where you're going to find out the, the secrets of those areas. Because you're more likely to run into locals. You're more likely to be able to get a conversation with somebody who isn't, like, trying to run away from all of us in the first place. And then they'd be like, hey, I'm trying to get, like, a good dinner. Like, look, this is where everybody goes to parents. It's good, whatever obviously around for a reason, this is where you want to go. This other place. This is where we all come. I think those are always, like, interesting conversations to have with people. Um, it's just nice. And I think that's, again, why I like craft beer, especially, is that those are the people you generally meet and get to know is when you're in those because it's, like, uh, a little more communal in those areas. And, uh, yeah, you just generally are able to get honest feedback versus, like, course. True. Very true. Look at you, Tyler. All, all, all the good answers. Tyler's travel tips. Triple T. You've seen diners drive in some dives. Triple D. Well, here comes Triple T. Yeah, I got nothing else for that question. Alright, this is the last one, and then we can talk about whatever else. And we'll see if I. Oh, wait, no, I'm not reporting. No. <laughs> you just report the question? <laughs> and it's not, much of a, not so much of a question as it's a statement. So not ready for pumpkin spice. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I just had uh, Voodoo Rangers, oh. Voodoo Ranger Atomic 
pumpkin. They came out with a spicy version of that with jalapenos, I think. What? Yeah, it's pretty good, actually. Okay. That being said, I completely agree. Otherwise, so speaking of, I like pumpkin beers, but I'm more excited about Oktoberfest beers than pumpkin beers. Before we dive down this, derail us for a second. There's a place called Bad Martha's, right? Um, it's a brewing company that's based in Martha's Vineyard, so it's a different island. Um, same ocean, but same cake. And uh, they had had another location in Falmouth which was on the mainland that we, we checked out prior to home. And we got a pizza that had jalapenos on it. And when I tell you these are were different jalapenos, because, like, I can do spicy. Kaylee's just like, I don't know. <coughs> these are different. Like, I'm like, ah, this isn't anything. I'm eating them like, this isn't anything. She goes to the bathroom like, Doing everything but touching my eye. Was it know. Buffalo Wild Wings spicy? Damn fucking near. Wow. Was it duck salad spicy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's one of the worst experiences ever. The beer was like kill you. Like we ordered it and the waitress was just like now it is spicy. Or just like it's jalapeno. Dude, I, that's a pet peeve of mine. Like, I, I understand maybe pe- people might be in over their heads a little bit, but it's also like, because, like, we go to this Indian restaurant, and the they way, ask for your spice level. At, oh, yeah. Casey, your question's up, I think. Um, we're going to get to this in a second. But we just got derailed, but we'll be right back to this company. Uh... Yes, spicy. Like if I I go to we go to this uh this Indian place and they're like, Oh, what what's your spice level? And I go, Oh, yeah, I want it hot. Like She's like, What is hot? Like eight seven, eight, nine, ten? I was like, I can go eight or nine and then like I get this look like, Are you sure you wanna go eight or nine? I'm like bring I'm like, Yes, yes I'm sure. So last time I think, last time I think I got an eight. Next time I go, I'm probably gonna go nine or ten. Go just go right for the jugular. Look, I think like so when they asked this question about the pizza, this was because even they all knew. We had conversations with them afterwards, and they knew it was like, no, it's, it's a different type of like jalapeno. It's like, but if you knew, the question isn't. Are you sure that's high? It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Like, you might think that you can do jalapenos. These are a little spicy. And yeah, like, these aren't just, right. these are ghost jalapenos. And that's when you, like, if you're at a restaurant, a restaurant like that, and they're like, are you sure about it? It needs to become, I'm going to bring you out something real quick. Like, here's a little taste. Can you handle this? Yeah, I got this. Or, holy shit! And it's like, like, yeah. let's knock this down a little bit. They're, they're, we need help. I think restaurants need to help people. Help me help you. That's Tyler's TED Talk tip. TED Talk tip? So you got TED Talk tips? Um, alright, so pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice is awful. 
because it's it, it's like a radio hit that just keeps getting played and played and played and played, except it happens every year. Right. So what I want to do is I'm definitely going to do for my beer reviews, I'm going to do like a pumpkin one and get the pumpkin beers out of the way, like find some of the best pumpkin ones that I can get and do the review. Um, yeah, I, I like subtle. Like I'm okay with a very subtle pumpkin spice flavor in a beer. The problem is they want to see how many boards they can fit into one beer, and I'm not about that. Much. You don't want you want you don't want gourds you don't want beer with your gourds. You're gourded out. <laughs> I'm gourded out. Um, I think that's it. it. It's either like they try to pack so much pumpkin into one thing, or that they decided to give you a cinnamon challenge, give you a spoonful of cinnamon. And okay, so that's that's it for me. Like in terms of beer. Okay, so for example, right. Around that time, everyone loves their little pumpkin spice latte, right? I can't wait. Tyler, yeah, see? Yeah, you're on one side on this beer thing, you're on the real side, and all of a sudden you switch up and become basic as hell. My paycheck comes tomorrow, I'm waking up early as fuck and finding a Starbucks. You got your Uggs, you got your vest, you're ready to go, huh? I don't have Uggs, I don't have Uggs, but Chris, but Chris. Oh no! Wait, what? Since when? Oh, you going to Nantucket now? All of a sudden, you're a Sperry guy. I see. <laughs> what? Is you got some vineyard vines while you're up there too? I refuse. Got a couple vineyard. Got a cu- got a couple vineyard vine hats with a little whale on it. Look, I'm scared. Pastel yeah, colors only. Has its very own vineyard vines. Like. It's- yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. It's not just vineyard vines. It's like Nantucket. Yeah. I know. Oh, I know. I've seen it. Tyler, I've seen it. I've, I've seen some things, man. But, but back to my... I digress. And I digress back to... As far as beer is concerned, I like beer that actually uses, like, pumpkin in it. Not pumpkin spice. So when there's a pumpkin beer... You want to make sure it doesn't say pumpkin spice, and it actually says pumpkin, because it's okay to use a little bit of, of pumpkin spice or a little bit of what comprises it to kind of enhance the flavor, but it can't just be the reason you're calling it a pumpkin beer. It can't be, oh, this is just our ale, and we added a shit ton of pumpkin spice to it, now it's a pumpkin ale. Like, those are terrible, and you you take one sip of it, it's... It's kind of almost like the Christmas ale thing where they just spice the hell out of a beer and it's just like that that Shiner Christmas ale thing I had on one of the episodes was so terrible. It's that type of thing. It's Yeah, yeah, it's like you didn't call this a nutmeg ale, but you should have called this a nutmeg ale. So like I'm 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 ready for like the pumpkin part of it, actual pumpkin. And there's not a few. There's not a lot of beers that actually do that. And I, I can take it or leave it. Honestly, like it's it tis the season and whatever. And I'll probably try to do one or two, try one or two or whatever. And there's a few like Pump King from so- Southern Tier is really good. Uh, the Pump. There's also a Pump King 
with a Y from Avery, which is a barrel age version that that's actually also really good. Um, but in general, I would rather just stick to the Oktoberfest because they're, they're, it's more, more easy to get those things taken care of in a decent way than, you know, you don't have to add dumb spices to it. it you know, it is its own style of beer. Just make it, make it well. I think a lot of places do an Oktoberfest much better than they do a pumpkin beer. Like if I had to go into a random place that I've never had their beer and I had to choose between their seasonal pumpkin beer and their Oktoberfest, I would definitely go with their Oktoberfest. Well, again, because I think people can get away with just fucking like adding a bunch of, Harry, boo, you, you come in this late to the conversation. Fuck off. Love you. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's so much easier for uh, brewery to dump a shit ton of cinnamon into a beer and be like, "This is our pumpkin spice beer," versus like actually trying to make an October batch, which, which again, you're going back to Germany, purity bullshit. But um, I, I think there's like a more steadfast way of this is what an October fest is versus just like. Ah, Oktoberfest had a bunch of shit. I mean, not Oktoberfest, pumpkin. Yeah, you're right about that. Like, one is a particular style that you have to hit a few parameters and profiles to kind of get. Where the other one is, I could, it could be a stout, and I'm going to throw pumpkin spice in it. Now it's a pumpkin stout. Or, oh, this is an ale. I'm just going to throw pumpkin in. Now it's a pumpkin ale, you know? So, I get, I get, I get what you're saying. I guess on the actual production side of it, it would be easier just to get, just toss pumpkin spice into something and call it this new seasonal pumpkin ale, versus actually sitting down and making a Marzen lager for Oktoberfest. All right. So when we buy this homebrew kit tomorrow, first beer we make is a pumpkin beer. Oh yeah, we're just we're going right for the jugular. What, what, it doesn't whatever whatever kit whatever like kit we decide. It doesn't matter what beer we're going to start with. Say we said, oh yeah, we're going to do uh, a Vienna Lager. Just throw a whole bunch of pumpkin spice in it, and now it's a pumpkin spice Corona, Corona pumpkin. Oh, see, we're we're well on our way to being a brewmaster. We're we're well on our way to being that next craft beer place you see. Somewhere. Somewhere. Uh, uh, I didn't think I would get so seated over uh, pumpkin. Spice. I was going to say, that was a very spirited, uh, it wasn't a debate, it was more of a spirited conversation about pumpkin spice. Yeah, because I, I think we're on the same page as, as often as we are. Well, we are, except that I'm not getting a pumpkin spice latte either. But you should! No, you shouldn't. Why? Name one good thing about a pumpkin spice latte. It's all in a cup. The fact that you can make the cognitive dissonance it takes to fight for a pumpkin spice latte after shit-talking all these pumpkin beers is astounding. It's not astounding. My God. It's not that spicy. Oh, yeah. Oh, isn't it? Is it? Oh, it's not that spicy, no. 
do you think the average basic bitch drinking it could handle the spice? No, but pumpkin spice isn't all that spicy. And that's what makes this extra bland. So how does it fall in a cup, then, Mr. Nantucket? Look, I just like it. It, just, it, it, it warms my soul, and that might be the caffeine. I, that's what it is. You're just—it's—it's it's another excuse to get a coffee, another coffee that you know you didn't need. Didn't need. Just get every, the coffee, man. No shame. Every cup of coffee is needed. What was that? Every cup of coffee is needed. That I did. It's always. That's true. That is very true. That is very true. Now, coffee is always necessary. I think Wawa has a pumpkin spice coffee. Do you, not, do you not get that either? No, no. In fact, I haven't gotten a hot Wawa coffee, and then in, by proxy, haven't gotten a Wawa coffee in well over, I would say, it's safe to say at least two years. And I've gone to Wawa many times in those two years. Now, part, part of that is I'm not a fan of putting hot coffee in those cardboard cups because I think it ends up just tasting like the cardboard. So I always go iced coffee when I'm taking out coffee from places. And Wawa's iced coffee is not on sheets level. <laughs> what a loaded question. Also, you agree with something I, don't know, I think there's some reciprocity in this conversation. <laughs> and I don't I, I don't want to reverse it on you or anything, but uh <laughs> Uh other puns. Insert insert pun here. Well not insert. Also <laughs> Also nice. <laughs> Harry, what's your name? I think we know the answer. Man, you're slow to the roll on that beer that you're apparently starting early on. Harry, what's the difference between 69 and 68? I don't know, and I don't know if I want to know. A one? Probably just one. I mean, that would be my guess. It'd be one. Damn the suspense. I don't even get it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go grab my other beer. Well, this has been this has been a fun live. Uh, really appreciate everyone for uh, coming in today, and uh, you know, it's, do we have any more questions?
I don't think so. I think we went through most of them all, so. Yeah, they would pop out somewhere. The t- Harry, your timing is always impeccable. Always. Was there anything else that you wanted to, to bring up? Uh, okay. Um, oh, wait, you got something. I thought I had a point, but I remember we just we discussed the tennis thing in the beginning. That would have been, that was my, like, yeah. big thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to grab my other beer. I'm going to be right back. The question I have, but I want to discuss, I kind of feel like weird about bringing it up um, before I'm back to talk about it, is what, like, we're we're gonna purchase a homebrew like kit tomorrow, and we're gonna start this process. I, I just kind of want to discuss like your thoughts, feelings, like hesitations, concerns, you know, like that those type of things. But before that, Harry has the best question that needs to be answered. Open Letter is the worst song that's ever existed in the history of songs. It is not a summer jam. It is not even, it's, it's not even that entertaining of a song, really. I mean, it's really bland. It's droll. It, uh, it doesn't really excite me. He's not really talking about anything. It's Open Letter by Jay-Z, by the way. And he's not really saying anything quite... I don't know. There's nothing really there to be said. I mean, what's so... I mean, who is this open letter to, by the way? Um, He doesn't really mention it. He's just kind of... He's just kind of randomly talking. Um, Zero out of ten wouldn't listen again. Unless I was forced to for a whole summer. Oh, hey, Tyler. Just, uh, I was just opining about how great open letter was it's the greatest so this is actually a really good question uh, you know the process of making hot water showed up how would I turn that into an ice well well the hops the hops are actually just a flavoring mechanism for beer um, other than that they don't really serve a just to make just just to actually make a beer, they don't actually serve a technical purpose, I would say, or a chemical purpose, if you will. Like it's more about flavor profiling and the body of the beer and kind of like these uh, uh, surface level, not surface level things, but it's aromatic. Yeah, exactly. It's nice word, Tyler. Um, it's. The, to, the the actual process of making beer is the yeast, you know, creating the alcohol. And the hops are just kind of there for flavor. In fact, hops were originally added to these beers specifically for flavor. So, went on a brewery tour, and they were, they were like, so this, you know what hop is, hops are used for in the brewing process? And I wanted to raise my hand... 
And I was like, I'm not going to do this because I feel like they're going to tell us the myth, and I don't want to burst the bubble here. Ooh, what's the myth, Tyler? So, what is an IPA? It's the India Pale Ale. Why? They called it India Pale Ale because the fucking British led like, colonized it. And so, they were, making, they were taking their beer from into India, and they wanted to make it spoil, so it was a preservative. It is it is a half truth because hops were around well before IPAs were ever a thing. But first off. But that's the story you'll usually hear is that uh, it was a preserving method that beer from point A, not necessarily true. Uh, it was being used but it's mainly a flavor profile. But Absolutely. measurement to it was grabbing handfuls of hops and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Now, there, now the pres- the preserving the preservative uh, qualities of it, you know, I'm sure they were there. But at the same time, once again, this the IPA was revolutionary not because it had hops in it. It was because it was able to withstand the higher temperatures that come along with the Indian climate, but also the the transport to India. So. Where lagers, they need to be brewed cold, they need to stay cold, and that type of thing, because the yeast cannot do its thing in warmer temperatures. It has... They're, they're doing their thing, yeah. <laughs> Diacomyces is doing its thing, or what? Um, no, but that that's what it is. Whereas it, with, with ales, and especially with IPAs, you know, you can have these brewed at warmer temperatures. They're, they're, they can ferment at these warmer temperatures, and they can withstand it. And actually, the big, the big catch on with the IPA was actually the taste of the hops, that bitterness, and the crispness of, of you know, the bitter hops in the heat, drinking that in the heat is actually, you know, more uh, more refreshing than having some heavy, uh, weedy, or kind of, or milky type of beer, you know? I don't get it. But yes. Are we, um, we're leaving the door open for more discussion. <laughs> Yeah, so that's, that's the idea right there. Um, it, IPAs are interesting. Uh, I think it, it's a very complex, complex. That's why you have so many different variations of it. That's why it's styles of them. Um, because it's it, it's all a matter of when you put them, in, how often you put them in, the different versions that exist. I was reading the... Uh, and that's its own thing. Craft beer and brewing team was talking about how, like, there's this shift coming from using the actual hops or the hot pellets to actually going to more, like, hot essential oils. Using more oil to, to use, uh, it be more potent, be more flavor forward. That's what they're envisioning. It'll be more effective. And that's what they're envisioning. Um, like a like a hop hash infusion type of deal. Yeah. So, I mean, 
Once again, I don't know exactly how it's added now per se in general. Um, but that's very that's very interesting. And the hot hash infusion thing was something I just saw for the first time a few weeks ago, where it's almost like a French press for hops. Yes. Sorry, I almost over poured my beer. Um, what are you drinking now, by the way? You know, two locals. Man, you you are you're doing it for the culture today. Look, so if anybody doesn't know what Two Locals is, it's a Philly-based brewery. It's one of the first uh, uh, black breweries in Philadelphia, uh, which means it's one of the first in PA because there's only like 60 breweries in the uh, U.S. that are black. And uh, Two Locals, Prolific Hazy IPA. There are other ones, Nubian. There's a couple others that they're putting out. They just did a new release. Uh, I'm going to have a very exclusive one for... Um, what it's called barrel and flow they had they have um, so they brewed this with a prolific amount of oak we whirlpooled with a prolific amount of simcoe and double dry hop so we're talking about the different ways to make a beer make a yeah and this has with simcoe and mosaic yeah exactly they know they know they basically just catered this to us <laughs> Pretty much. And this beer has a big mango nectar, guava, and pineapple. And it's just so have you, have you, did you drink it yet? Okay, so you've had this before, and it's as advertised. Yeah, uh, I think it's a little tight on the flavor profile, but you know. Uh, I think they might have focused a little more on the hops than they did the actual flavor of everything, which is fine. I think it's still a fantastic beer to brew. Um, it's an IPA. It's bold. It's definitely a hazy. Like, looking at this. Yeah. I love so, IPAs that are that color, that amber color. Usually they just turn out to be amazing when they're a little darker like that. I have three more of all these pictures, the uh, two locals and the uh, black people. Um, we're going to be recording our final episode of Saturday, so I'm going to bring these up. And I have the Oak Park four-pack. And that's what we're going to be drinking on this episode. These are just the halves. Those, the Oak Park beers are what I'm very, very excited about. Yes. Bring your tennis racket, just in case, by the way. Always, and now I have a hot okay. Oh, perfect, perfect. Um, I am drinking now um, New Trail, um, my third. New Trail uh, Haystack Hazy IPA. It's my last one of these. Uh, it is 7.5% ABV using uh, Sultana and Crystal Hops. Oats and spelt, and notes of high citrus and sweet pineapple. Ooh, well, that sounds great. And it's fan it is fantastic. Once again, whenever you, I feel like pineapple is such a good IPA fruit. Yes. 
Agreed. That's all I got. That's all I have to say about that. Um, but now that we're, we're back, we're having this conversation. Uh, I think well, the conversation I would love to have is like, what are your thoughts and feelings or hesitation about when they start home growing? I'm scared. Well, you know what? I don't have many hesitations. I think the only thing, the only like roadblock mentally for me is just, it's a brand new thing. It's not an extremely simple thing. It's not just something you can just do. You have to put some time and effort and research into, you know, the process and, you know, keeping keeping things clean and all of these other things so you don't contaminate the product um so it's going to be interesting kind of learning that process uh but the only mental block i have is you know am i going to be able to physically do it right and i think the reason i say that i don't really have a hesitation is because if that's my only negative thought going into this like oh what if i screw something up there's no time limit on things. I'm not going to get fired for it. You know what I mean? It's on my own time. I can just attempt it and go from there and learn from the last mistake. I just don't have my own beer to drink at the end of it. I'll, you know, I'll just have to try it again. Right. So, like, no grade that's associated with it. Uh, I think the most wild thing when we think about craft beer is there's really no regulation there's no standard there's there's no standard for but you know what that is i i i lie a little bit but that really is the same thing for all food and drink where it's just like okay there is a superficial rating system out there that's official and at the highest level you can definitely say that okay yes these guys are way up here but there's plenty of good quality in certain parts that don't have that qualification and it's not a one-size-fits-all or in a vacuum. What I would say is for a lot of professions, it is, like, you're not going to a lawyer who never went to law school. You're not going to a doctor who didn't get his, like, doctorate if you, like, medical school and stuff like that. You, you're not gonna. You you might get a videographer to get into it, but you want to know how long they've been doing it, and you know, and all that other stuff. However, I I never looked at a brewery that just opened. I'm like, have you been brewing for a long time? You go to school to brew? like that's the last thought I've ever had when I went to a, like a brewery. Like, did they work at a really well-established brewery before they? Yeah, they could have been just a bunch of dudes, man. Uh, and that's once again, like you're you're absolutely correct. And I feel that especially in my line of work as an engineer, you can't actually put your name legally on anything technical until you've worked for five years under someone else who has that qualification, and then pass a whole exam and get the certification. What's that? So what are you, a mason? It's kind of like that. But understand why it's kind of like that. Because if I, who's just some Joe who 
went through four years of schooling with no physical experience. But your name's not Joe, you're Chris. Oh, I know. If I'm some Chris who just went through four years of schooling, but I had no actual real-world experience in doing this thing, and I just go build a bridge, I'm like, yes, you know, theoretically, this bridge works. And then you realize that there are hundreds of factors that go into it besides what's theoretically possible. And you need some type of real world experience and a decent amount of it to, to say, okay, this is safe. I can put my name on this legally. Like I can legally go to jail if this thing backfires type of thing. And that's, that's kind of what we're talking about here, right? It, there's, there's nothing like that for brewers. And while that's a good thing in terms of a barrier, barrier to entry discussion, at the same time, it's also, I don't want to say it's like a gamble going into a brewery for the first time, but it's kind of like you don't know what you're going to get. It's not a gamble in the sense that you're going to lose your all your money. Yeah lose your life or lose all your money on on the initial bet but you're not gonna you you're you're most likely not gonna hit on you know the jackpot either i, I think so the way i've been thinking about this because the, the end goal of this is for us to own a burger right um and I, I approach this in one of three things that happened for me. We're either going to love love it and, and be good or bad and continue to work at it to be better. And then to try to open up a group. We're going to do it and be good or bad and figure out that it's just not a process that we can go through. Right. We still want to open up a bird. And we'll just have to hire a roommate. Exactly. Love it or hate it, and realize it's something that we just do not want to fucking stay on. And while I think the like the, the likelihood of that last one is so, small, I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna ask you like, in what order do you put them in? What percentages do you think? Probably like a 80-15-5, you know, like, yeah. we're going to love this. I'm not sure if it's going to turn out, well, but I, I think both of us are, you know, I got to watch you play, like, pick up tennis and learn tennis in a very short amount of time and watch the frustration but love that you had with it. What are you talking about? Listen, Tyler, you talk about frustration like it's a bad thing or like, you know, first of all, you know who hasn't broken two rackets, okay, in two, in the matter of two months and need to buy another one? Listen, I, I don't think you're being realistic here. I don't think you're really seeing the full picture. I was about to say, like, listen. As expensive as rackets are, I broke two rackets. And and mind you, like 
there are there it's a very narrow like it's a very narrow bandwidth of things that get me that angry and frustrated <laughs> right because like generally i'm a patient person a very patient person but no no you know what no i'm i'm pretty chill driving now i've kind of accepted i've i've you know what Driving an hour and a half to work every day will give you some perspective. So once I started driving from Reading to Harrisburg, I kind of lost the anger for driving. So I'm pretty, I got the patience there too now. I'm pretty patient with driving. But technology not working properly. <laughs> and tennis. Those two things. And I hope I don't have to add brewing to that, because <laughs> you just see, yeah, you just see kettles flying everywhere. Someone who's on the first floor, I'll just be in the basement, like ding, 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 ding. God damn it! It could, but it's not going to happen because I have life experience. What is Tyler alter <laughs> anger alter? Oh, no. oh, Black Tyler. What, Black Tyler? <laughs> At least I, that's what it was at IEP, right? What? Let's unpack that. No, I'm just kidding. We've, we've unpacked that. New, yeah, I was going to say, we've unpacked that numerous times already. Yeah. Tyler? Well, there is a Trevor. Oh, my God. But that's more of a wild and crazy guy. No, you don't have you don't have an angry alter ego. You just are you. Anger. Yeah, the anger is just there. Yeah, it's part of the chaos. Completely frank. Is it frank? What is he your trigger? Frank, the right thing though. If you like to be quite frank. This <laughs> is. Frank! It's like, who hurt you? Frank! Frank hurt you! Hurt me. Wait, what? I, I didn't get that. Why are we Why are we holding our mouth, mouths? On to something. Anger. Tennis. Frank. I'm not, I'm not following you. I'm really not following you. <laughs> He's one of the few people that could piss me off. You're right. You're right. I think we've really un. And and of the people, and yeah, that's <laughs> to be quiet, Frank. Yeah, quiet, Frank. <laughs> no, I said quite Frank. Yeah, quiet, Frank. <laughs> no, I said quite. Yeah, quiet. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Uh, you know what it is with... It's interesting. I think you're on to something here, too, though, actually, because Frank, in terms of the people that annoy you in tennis, Frank does it in a different way than everyone else. Because everyone else is just, like, objectively horrific to be around and play against, right? We have Caesar, we have Adrian. Adrian's a nice guy, but he's really fucking annoying. 
Caesar just fucking sucks as a human being on the tennis court. But Frank, like, face value, chill guy, always upbeat. I love Frank. Until I don't. Until you don't, or until he moves his daughter to Wilson or whatever he's doing. Uh, Did you, Mifflin. Did you know he's uh, stringing at Falmouth now? I walked in there to get my racket strung a month and a half ago, and he was in there stringing rackets. I love Frank. Don't want him telling me what to get at the tennis By the way, I ended up buying a string, and this guy that uh, that goes to the park nearby in Lancaster, uh, he strings. So I just had him string it. it was like it was like ten bucks. 10 bucks plus the cost of stringing or plus the cost of the string, which is like 12 that was 14 something. So 25 bucks to have my racket strung, which I mean, I usually only pay like 28. I pay more actually. I, it depends on the stringing, I guess on the string, I guess like promise their their labor cost is way more expensive than $10 versus the string. But then with Thromith, you only pay for a certain amount, a certain length of string. After a certain length, you're not, uh, is free. It, but it's usually like half of it or whatever the case may be. But for me, it always ended up coming out to being over 30 bucks. No, I usually pay like 28 Yeah. So I paid, I paid just around like 20 to 24 bucks. I didn't have to drive 45 minutes both ways to get it. And I went with this Wilson Revolve, the spin string. Real solid stuff, man. I really like it. Really like it. So I did, om- I did almost break my racket yesterday, though. But that's another issue. So I know that we got a little bit away... Sorry, my mom sent me a weird text. Um, <laughs> you know what? You know what? No, no. This this is for us to catch up. Yeah, no. I, talk I, about beer. This is exactly what this was always meant to be. Uh, people want to catch up with us, and if they're with us, they can. But fuck it if they don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, before we get back to home brewing, I was. At the court, uh, I got my hopper. I have like 70-something balls now. Wow, you got it figured out, huh? Yeah. They have that sling bag now. I, I didn't go there, but that's kind of cool. I haven't done that yet. I just don't want to... I'm thinking about it, but I don't have enough balls to really make it worth my while at the moment. Yeah. We'll see. I definitely think it's worth Like, it, it, it's worth the money. Don't want to invest that much. Yeah. Um. But I am going to be. Oh, I got picked up as a volunteer coach. You're a coach. I'm gonna be uh, doing. Well, it's for like a rec program. I was. Oh. I was out hitting, and this guy comes up and goes, "Hey." Um, 
You have a nice stroke there, buddy. I run a monthly program that's a week long. It's a volunteer clinic for kids age 6 to 12. Um, we rotate a different coach every day, so you really just have one day a month commitment. Um, the rec will be donating brackets to the program. It's, not, it's nothing like we're trying to create high-quality uh uh, players, we just want to introduce the game for nothing. Like, that sounds amazing, one. That sounds perfect. And then he goes... Do you have any experience? Oh, no, did you freeze on me? Yeah. Oh, I got a text, and I'm oh. <laughs> I got... Then he goes, and then it was just like... The Draymond um, Green face. I'm so sorry. It was. It was like, I'm He's like, closing than you. Um, <laughs> uh, but, like, no, this sounds like a great program. He, goes, uh, he says that basically all the players end up group text. I mean, all the coaches are in a group text and then have a new game. So, Absolutely, actually. I'm excited for that. I don't want to be like, well, actually, I come from this amazing program, and blah, 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 blah. US, USTA program of the year, you know, whatever, while I was there. You know, whatever. They then model a lot of different programs off of us. Including your own, but hey, whatever. Being modest about it, I get it. Oh, no, I lost you. Oh, wait, there you are. I keep thinking I'm losing you. Dude, for me, like, finding this these guys at this park just by, oh, I want to go hit against the wall that's there because it's a good wall to hit against. It's not like a shit wall. And if I hit a ball over the wall, I can actually go retrieve it. And I just go there, and they're like, hey, you want to play? And then they're actually good, and there's guys there that actually want to play singles or just hit. Like the gambit. Like, these guys, there's so many guys that are a bunch of, like, Steves, where they're just, like, they just they can just direct the ball where they want. And then there's this one dude. So the one guy who got me into it, for some backstory, his name is Austin. He's, he's a kid about our age, probably, maybe a little younger. But he actually plays at 4-0. USTA 4-0. Super fucking steady. He played soccer, so his footwork is ridiculous. He gets that fucking everything. And, like, I've been playing against him. I think in... I think I've played about four or five sets against him thus far, and I think I've won three games in four sets. And that's with me playing some of my best tennis that I've played. Only a 4-0? He's a, yeah, he's only playing at a 4-0, but he plays against this dude who he's taking lessons from. So this other guy that comes, his name is Hip. The dude's about, the dude's apparently like almost 50, but he looks like he's about 35 in shape to all get out. And you can only tell he's older if you're like up close with him 
and he 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 used to play at five zero plus, and he couldn't. And he said like it was just too difficult even there to compete. And now he plays like at four five, and he's like fifty, closing on fifty. And when I tell you, man, his play is ridiculous. Like he rarely misses a shot. All of his balls have pace, direction, everything. He can handle just about any ball you give him. Like, his slice is amazing. Every shot he has is solid. Like, you you can't just say, oh, I'm just going to hit it to his backhand, or I'm just going to make him hit slices. It doesn't happen. And he moves really well, considering how old he is. And it's just like, that's, that's the point where you see someone that played at 5-0 but says he can't handle it, and you're seeing the way he's playing now, like, five to ten years later, that's when you gain the crazy appreciation, which I already had for, like, pros. Mm -hmm. But now it's just, like... But, like, I feel like the pro-level, like, number would technically be, isn't it, like, somewhere, like, closer like, seven or higher? Yeah, I would say seven seven to eight, I think, because I think at six... Six plus, you're starting to get into semi-pro range. So after that, you're into pro range, like low pro range, like four to five hundred, like in the world type deal. Yeah, like that that low level of oh, I need past qualifiers. I actually yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys who were like twenty five to to thirty in their physical prime playing. Are you saying there's a chance? There's a chance, Tyler. You just need to get on your horse now. One and a half years. One and a half years. <laughs> we got... How crazy is it that one and a half years is 30 for us? Can we talk about that for a second? No, we're going to talk about home brewing and then hanging. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And closing this out for the sake of the listeners now. Yeah, so us. We, we are the listeners right now. <laughs> But the wa- the watchers that come in later, I guess. Uh, I, I think what I'm excited about is obviously the IPA. We're to start off as an IPA just to start it easy. Because um, we know what we're looking for. That's what we're most familiar with. So I'm excited for that. But uh, like with the, the magazine that we subscribe to, that has recipes in it. So that, that's really exciting to, to look at. Um, and I think it's going to enhance the way that we discuss about beer, the flavor profiles that we finally get to understand a little bit more. And I think once we marry uh, that with like the, the practice of actually making it versus the practice of consuming it, I, I'm really excited to see what our appreciation for beer ends up being oh dude that's 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 a really really good point um and honestly something i didn't even think about to that point where it's like okay if we get the experience attempting it we may get more context or more perspective into okay this beer is decent but it's not like otherworldly and then we're like okay well the work that was put in to make it this level is so great you know what I mean? Yeah. Or we might be able to get like the the prof the flavor profile better, or you know, oh, they use 
These Simcoe hops here. Okay, I taste them. I taste them in this capacity. What does that mean for the process? So, okay. Sorry, reason why I've been distracted is because I've been there's like, can you put the pork, can you ice the pork chop? Like, what the fuck does this mean? And it was just like, I already put the ribs away. Are you crying? Oh, oh. She there's a there's a, she has a coworker named Tyler. Yeah. She's yeah. texting the wrong Tyler. In fact, you ooh, you should probably text back just in case the pork chops. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 So every time you see me, it's because I've been texting all this. Quick bladder break, by the way. Okay. As you continue to talk. Sorry, what was the you said it cut out there. Oh shit. Uh, I heard what the future holds and then it just kind of I think popped I did, out there. I did the Jay Z thing where I just went, yeah, what the future What the future holds. What Jay Hall? Open letter. I am honestly just really excited to finally because I know for both of us, obviously, we've been like, oh, maybe brewing is something we could do, homebrewing is something we can get into, and then just never really pulled the trigger on it, whether it was money or just time and space, whatever it was. And now that we're both on our own and both kind of, you know, getting getting to, like, a, a comfortable place financially, it's kind of like, okay, well, this is the time. And now we can devote the time because one, we have a goal, but we also have the the resources to kind of get this done. We have the situation where we can actually finally do this thing. So I'm kind of, I'm really excited to actually take this step that I haven't been thinking about for that I've been thinking about rather for five years and just never pulled the trigger on to now. Okay, this is actually going to be a thing. What is this going to be like? And I think what's so beautiful about it and what's so interesting, 
object I, I don't know if I can say this objectively because we're in this. Um and this is this is our podcast, this is our, you know, everything that we're doing where we're right at the heart of it. Can you not hear me again? Oh no, we're good. Okay. I just Um but it's like what I love about our process of doing everything, it's very slow and steady, right? If it's a tortoise versus hare scenario, we are 100% tortoises, right? <laughs> so you mean we're going to end up like Terrapin, which I would not be mad at. Right. Um, and I, I think it's cool that back when we first were talking about the podcast even being a thing, you know, a year or two years prior to it even starting, um, this this had been a conversation and now that we're starting this process of homebrewing we're still not looking to actually have this thing be an actual thing until seven eight years down the line right so it's not yeah, this, is like, a long -term, this is a long-term process guys and i think what's fascinating is being able to like have all this stuff documented so that we can one use it promotional materials but two, actually look back and see what this process was. See what we were saying when we were just in that anticipation phase of, oh, it's time to start brewing. Um, and what we were going through and, and the different thoughts that we were having. Uh, we have discussed different names for the beer to begin with. We have uh, talked about, you know, we don't want to go too crazy with so many options right away. Uh, and then yeah. thinking about, yeah, this is all small at first, but like, what is the bigger picture? look like I, I think taking our time with it the way that we always do allows us to explore every option from what's immediate to what is our wildest dreams and yeah. how do those two play into each other and i think that's that's very uh helpful i agree and uh even now i know something that we hadn't talked about but i know is in the back of both of our minds and this is because because we didn't talk about it strictly but just because this is like a uh once long term like once we're actually about to actually make this thing a reality type of conversation in terms of you know how do we want to exist in the space of craft beer in terms of uh sustainability how do we want to build our business model upon that um we didn't explicitly discuss, say we don't like brewing and we want to hire someone to just do that full time. Or even if we do like brewing and we want to hire someone to head that and we will just be, you know, a part of the process. Clearly, that's going to be a person that's underrepresented in the industry to begin with. Okay. And that once, once again, you know, there, there's these types of things that clearly we haven't explicitly discussed yet but that are just like unwritten rules for us right because like let's be honest here what is the craft beer space made for it's made for those like 25 to 35 year old white males that are making 75 to ninety nine thousand dollars a year right cool awesome we get that target demographic just by existing exactly exactly they walk in regardless they don't need to feel comfortable walking in they're walking in Mm -hmm. But what I want to stand out is I want women and I want, well, I want women, I want uh, 
underrepresented. I just want everybody who's un underrepresented in the craft beer industry to walk in and see themselves. Yes, and exactly. And not just in, not just as patrons, the workforce as well. Whether, whether it be, you know, we have the whole crew who's behind the scenes visible in the place, whether it's like a picture or plaques or something like that to show what our company is about and who's actually making this thing happen. Not, not just front of the house as well, because that, that's another part of it too. It's not just about getting good bartenders and, and, you know, good people to serve the beer. It's also about getting diversity in the actual production of beer, because when we talk about existing in the space of craft beer, I think that's the one area that if you worked on that and tried to kindle that flame, that's the one that could really knock back everything and open everything up is what happens if 50% of the brewers are now black? Right. What happens if 50% of all the available craft brewers in the country are able to just strike out on their own now because they have that knowledge and create their own thing. All of a sudden we get all these breweries with all this good product. So once again, these are our goals. It's, I think also something that wasn't intrinsic, uh, explicitly said, but is kind of intrinsic to this conversation is we don't want to do this exactly like any other brewery that's out there. Um, but we also want to consult folks like uh, Harris Family Brewing, folks like Crowns and Hops, Two Locals, uh, places like this that, that, uh, that are pioneering really the way for us to do this type of thing. And kind of their trials and tribulations for us hopefully lead to something that is just very efficiently getting diversity into craft beer for, you know, everyone to enjoy. I love that because I think the big conversation there is a lot of times you'll see these conversations floating around on the, like the interwebs, right. About like, Oh, you don't really know what it's like because you didn't struggle the same way that I struggled. And like, you're there's this like repetitive like trauma culture that has to exist in order for it to be authentic and real and stuff like that and you know mm -hmm. I, I you know when i talk about rap a lot of the times i'm just like when i look at drake one of the reasons i don't appreciate drake is because i don't think he's he also presents himself as if he's went through that stuff and i think it's less of him not going through it versus him putting himself out as if he has gone through something. Yes, and that's why I don't like him. And I think there's a difference with, with that, because what I am talking about is... Well, when we, we address him as Aubrey, by the way. He's not that guy. When As we go forward and we approach this, you know, because we have the luxury of looking up to a lot of people, when a lot of other people didn't have a luxury of someone to look to, they had to pave a way and they had to create a format. It's going to allow us to to swerve around road bumps or actually 
not ever notice those bumps because they've been smoothed over and paved over for us to get through on a highway or a turn. Absolutely. And uh, I'm excited about that because it's something that the black beer community has been doing so well over the past, what, year or so that we've gotten to witness and be included in this group and see the conversations and see what has actually been put out there. Um, I'm excited because in the next five to eight years when we decide to actually go for this, it's going to become easier. It's going to be late yeah. in front of us and we're going to have people to lean on and have a support Absolutely. system. From. And, and I think that's remarkable. And I think it's only going to get better for us. And, and, you know, the, of course, by then, I hope the industry is way for, further than it is now in that, in that fashion, you know? So it, it, it's, it's all about, it's all a matter of, uh, time till we figure that part out, but just the craft beer, the the black craft beer, uh, you know, space that we know. There's no way it's just going to be stagnant for seven years. No way. Right, because Crowns and Hops was even. Uh, they ha there's a weekly conversation with. Uh, it's called being black and craft beer, being black and craft. And the the challenge two weeks ago was this time next year, not seeing it at 1% ownership, but 2% ownership when it comes to how many like uh, black craft uh, breweries are out there. And I think that was, that's already stepping up that, um, oh no, I wonder if we just cut out. Chris, text me or something if you're still here i can't tell oh no but what i was saying is i think that's already incredible that there's already this like level of commitment from breweries that like or or this challenge from the existing space in black craft beer to become more representative i, I think what stood out to me was not just like promoting diversity, inclusion, and equity within the space, but also, you know, like, let's just get the ownership. Like, that, that's, that's the first thing that needs to be done is get this ownership so that we can jump into these things and create the conversation and form the dialogue the way that we need to. We're almost at two hours of having a conversation about all these different things. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, peace.